With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right. Uh, welcome back to the Anonymous Eagle podcast. Um, quick note before we begin, and I introduce Sam. Um, we are dealing with some uh, inclement weather, as uh, most of you uh, no doubt understand uh, if you live anywhere near uh, Marquette University. Um, it's, uh, it's been quite a uh, first couple days uh, of this week, um, if you count Sunday as part of the week, and uh, it's only going to get worse. Uh, so we are trying to squeeze this in right now, um, and we are doing so remotely because the roads are absolute garbage, um, and it still hasn't stopped snowing, even though typically it has, you know, snow doesn't last, you know, for freaking 36 hours in a row. So, um Please excuse our potentially not great sound quality. Um, we usually do these in person. Um, so without uh, further ado, Sam, uh, uh, how are you uh, staying out of the cold uh, on this uh, horif- horrific Monday night? Well, thankfully my office closed today because of the amount of snow that Milwaukee got. So I got to work from home, which was nice. Um, I get to venture out into the... Uh, the great white wilderness to attempt to find myself food because I was gone all weekend and couldn't grocery shop. So it's going yeah. to be an interesting set of days after this. Yeah. I will be uh, very, uh, very uh, curious uh, to see how these next few days unfold. Um, the Wednesday uh, weather report is unlike anything I have experienced. I've lived here for eight years now and um it's pretty, I don't, man, I don't remember ever it being as cold as it's supposed to be uh, on Wednesday. I know you would have been a sophomore um, when we got school canceled um, because it was so cold. Um, yes. But yeah, I, I just, uh, man, um, I don't remember it being like definitely negative 20 that day. Um, that might've been like the wind chill. Um, but like the wind chill seems like it's worse than that would have been. And yeah. So anyway, if you're in Milwaukee, um, and you're dealing with this BS, um, stay safe, um, stay warm. Uh, let the, uh, the reality of two top 10 basketball teams, um, for your alma mater or university of choice, uh, to support basketball wise, um, keep you warm through these horrible uh, uh, next uh, couple of days, I suppose, is as good of a segue as I could have come up with on the spot there. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, Okay, so we're going to quickly discuss um, the last couple games. Um, Honestly, I don't feel like we have a whole lot to say about the games themselves, except for the fact that, Sam, you actually had the opportunity to go to – Cincinnati over the weekend. Thank goodness you didn't have to drive in this crap. Uh, well, we al- we almost uh, so we had a snowstorm in northern Indiana, about an hour south of Chicago, and that was uh, that was some hectic driving there. But it cleared up by the time we got to Indianapolis. So 
I, wow. I feel like we hit a snowstorm in northern Indiana is like the plot of like four different horror movies. But anyway, um, fair enough. That, uh, that just sounds miserable. I know you're. I know you're from rural Midwest, but northern Indiana doesn't sound like a fun place to run into snowstorms. No, it it, it wasn't. Um, but yeah, uh, thankfully had the opportunity to make it safely to Cincinnati um, and go to the Centos Center. Um, and so, to clarify, Sam, you are not the kid they kept showing on television. No I, had, no, I think I had two or three people ask me if you were that kid. No. Once I told them that you were there, and I was like, no, it's that's not Sam. Although a, a fellow uh, uh, Caffrey's bartender legacy. Um, yeah, something like that. Yeah, um, the kid was a bartender. Anyway. Yeah, so uh, shout out A to the... There were actually five or six students from Marquette in the Xavier student section, but the reason they kept showing that kid was because he was in the student section sitting kind of like by himself, or I'm assuming next to a friend of his that went to Xavier, but... Yeah, wasn't that, in, I don't. I can't imagine as a college student making that choice yeah. by myself and just like no, that that no, no way. He's got to have had friends in the section. Yes, but so there, there there was another small group of Marquette kids in the student section as well, which was really nice to see. Um, I mean, thoughts outside of how the game went. Um, Cintas Center is smaller than i i don't know why it's it was both smaller and bigger than i thought it would be i don't know how to justify it both um it was a lot of fun um apparently it, it was looks like, kind of small on tv it, yeah. when you look at it on tv they like dim the yeah they, they dim so they, the back so it looks really small yeah they, they dim the lights on the uh, upper decks and on the back of the 100 level and then um it's very coal center-esque i guess for anybody that's been there in terms of like how it's constructed um, and, and probably like most other college stadiums, I, to be honest, haven't been to many. Um, it's very similar to the Allstate Arena as well, just a little bit smaller in actual capacity. Um, I think it only fits about 10,000. But it was, uh, it was a really good day for basketball. It was apparently like the 11th largest crowd in Xavier history or in oh, Cintas wow. Center history. I wonder um, what made it sell out because it's not like – I mean, I guess maybe are we an attraction and I'm underrating that or Probably. is it just like it was a Saturday and people in Cincinnati didn't have anything else to do? No, I Xavier think... sucks this year, so I can't imagine they're drawing like crazy. Uh, I mean, I, I just think it's the fan base and the fan culture there. You know what? Um, good for them. If they're selling yeah. out when they suck like they do right now, that's good. Good for yeah, them. Yes, but um, man, the, the roof is low on that place and it gets loud. I understand the home court advantage they have and it makes me a little envious that like, Obviously, we have you know the nice one of the nicest, if not the nicest, arena in the NBA right now that we're playing in, and you know we have all the perks that come with playing in a pro arena. But man, to have a, something like that like on campus where it just gets that loud is makes me a little jealous. Yeah, it's kind of an interesting conversation that I don't really want to have a full fledged talk about right now, but it'd be interesting at some point because I know this has come up, um, especially. Uh, regarding that uh, Journal Sentinel story that was suggesting that um, the the university was looking at um, having their own arena um, near campus uh, at one point, um, it'd be it, that's an interesting conversation as to whether you'd want to play in a state of the art NBA arena that's um, bit uh, not super intimate. I guess I don't know. Fiserv is a way 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 bigger upgrade um compared to the bradley center 
in that regard because the Bradley Center was just cavernous. Um, But uh, it still is, you know, an NBA arena with the size and somewhat lack of intimacy that comes with it. It'd be interesting. I I, I think it could be really fun if Marquette ever had their own, like, 12, 11, 12,000-seat arena that was packed tight. Um, But I don't... don't think I would trade our Fiserv um, environment, especially as a recruiting tool. I'm not trying to trade it. Don't get me wrong. No, definitely but, not. Um, yeah, I mean, it's uh, you know another thing that the Marquette faithful probably care about. It's only like a five dollar beer there. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. So uh, more more room for envy, if you will. Um, but uh, yeah, it's a it's a great location. Um, it, their, their fan base was incredibly kind, got a lot of, like, good games or good lucks, um, and a lot of, like, good conversation with people there, and it was actually, like, civil and well thought out, and, you know, it was, like, friendly rivalry, but not at, at all, no, no vitriol or anything, you know? Sure. So, it was it was really fun to encounter how passionate they are about their team, even in down years, and how much their home court advantage matters, even in the, the years where they aren't good, because, man... That uh, when when Xavier was up late, that place got loud. Yeah, and I just can't understate how crazy that fan base went. So, um, it was a heck of a trip. I'm glad we got to walk away with a Marquette W. Um, but yeah, I, in, in terms of the game, um, I think the only talking point I have besides Joey going off, um, being really good. I mean, obviously Marcus and Sam went off too, but jo- Joey having a, a collegiate high, high with 21 was big and then Theo John being officiated to the moon and back. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I was going to try to form something, some sort of follow-up question about what the in arena experiences experience was like relative to how, when Xavier was surging like that. Um, because I, I mean, when Xavier came to Marquette in the first week of January, um, that team, did not show anywhere near the kind of shooting chops um, they did uh, uh, on on Saturday. I mean, I was not expecting them to come out like a house on fire, um, and it and it was really like frustrating because, um, as Crack Sidewalks pointed out um, during the week, um, Marquette has the worst. Um, effective field goal percentage defense on the road in the entire country, um, which is astounding. But then if you look at the games that they've played, and part of it is they've played such a small sample size, so that does sort of factor out um, teams that you would expect to just suck at defense, like low-level, low-major teams that um, you would expect to just post terrible numbers. Uh, Since they are low-major teams, they play so many road games. and Marquette's sample size is going into the weekend was, I believe, four? Four, right? That was the fifth road game. Yes. Because they, on, they only played at Indiana. Yeah. So, um, and, you know, coming in, it was all four of those games had been like, wow, this team is shooting really uncharacteristically well. Like, um, you know, St. John's buried them in an avalanche of threes. Um, it, Mac McClung made, like, an absurd amount of shots after coming into the game, having a terrible shooting season. Um, and uh, Creighton obviously is a great shooting team, but, you know, absolutely put 
hung a huge number on them uh, three-point-wise. Um, so um, I guess, but to a certain extent, the Xavier one um, was like, what? Like, are we cursed? Like, to a, like the frustration uh, really boiled over for me as I didn't feel Marquette was playing terrible defense. I just felt like I was watching a team that's not a good shooting team somehow be ridiculously hot. Um, yeah. So Xavier, I, I, I was in awe of that. I was like, "What the what the heck is going on, man? Like, why can't we we can't buy one right now?" Yeah, I think the big thing is just every sh- shot that Xavier took that they missed at the five serve seemed to have some like karmic influence or karmic influence coming back. And just they were making stupid. Najee Marshall making twenty-seven footers um, when he's shooting like twenty-four percent from three from the air. Okay, what? Okay, sure. Yeah. Um, Najee Marshall. That was the big one. It's no. like that dude is not a shooter, no. and you and can tell he's not a shooter because his shot is just miserable, like flat well, just, and gross. And and they had ugh. nothing falling off the rim. The rims were super kind to them down low. Um, you know they were getting. They were getting everything they wanted to fall off, like off the weirdest angles for layups, and I, it just—I was astounded. I think I think we're just cursed to be playing against each team's best effort every night, or the best shooting game every night at this point. So, yeah, I—I I mean, like, wh- and this will transition nicely into another, um, you know, when we talk about the Butler game. But as we look forward at that, it's like. Um, I'm actually less concerned because Butler, what can Butler do that we haven't already handled on the road? Like as much as I'd be terrified of Hinkle as, and I still am, um, it's almost like, okay, we've faced all these incredible shooting performances on the road in a row and we are winning most of them. Like what's the worst that can happen? Um, like at, at the very least, like Butler plays a gritty game, but we have like a, a reprieve in terms of how the op- opponents are shooting on us. But anyway, um, I guess other things I wanted to talk about. Yeah, Joey, freshman of the week, you mentioned. Um, Joey was huge. Um, most of the production um, in that game uh, came from the most likely sources, um, which isn't necessarily a bad thing um, at all um, to get good performances from your three best players. Um, when you start getting only contribution from them on a regular basis. I guess that's when you start to get worried, but I don't know. Um, Sakar Adams just kind of in a, in a kind of a rut right now, um, offensively. Um, although I will say dude came on and made two free throws at the end that I was very nervous about him making. Um, so shouts to him. Um, I, I ha- I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about Matt Helt. Um, uh, I, I will, I will try to, um, contain my, uh, my emotion. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think if you haven't seen, uh, the video clip, um, that, uh, the Marquette Nation folks posted, um, with, uh, Steve Wojciechowski's comments about Matt after the game, um, if, if you have any um, positive feelings about Matt, and I know Matt's kind of a... I mean, I don't want to say he's polarizing, um, but I would say his popularity has skyrocketed now that he's been asked to not do as much, um, given his general limitations. Um, however, um, I 
would really, really, really recommend um, going in and uh, hearing uh, Wojo's comments because it was awesome. Um, makes me um, uh, very sad uh, that we only have a short um, two months or so left with our dear milkman. Um, but yeah, I mean, talk about big minutes. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't think it was ever reported that Ed Morrow was injured, right? Uh, no, I think that was the coach's decision to yeah. only give him seven minutes. Yeah, I think it was too. So, I mean, for me, man, like to have Matt, like Matt played more minutes than Theo John and Ed Morrow combined. And like to do that with like nothing, like no preparation, uh, dude was like the scout team center, uh, in the middle of the week, like Wojo said in that, in his comments and man, like I know he wasn't like, he didn't blow anybody away. Like he had a reverse layup. Um, and, but he also, the Lord of, uh, juking Ken Palm's offensive rating as always (laughs) throwing up the 222 spot because of his one made field goal on one attempt in 20 minutes. Uh, but yeah, man, like what a, what a job by him to, to come in there and, you know, I mean, was he great? No, I mean, he fouled out in 20 minutes, uh, not great by any means, but he plugged the role that they needed him to and he did exactly what they needed him to. And just for him to be able to do that, no, um, preparation isn't the word necessarily because obviously he's preparing and uh, practicing hard, but, um, without any sort of prior knowledge that that was going to be his role. What a, what a job, man. He was, he was fantastic. And I, I think he should play more like Jim McElvain tweeted about the tweeted about the screens he was setting. I, I that might be a little bit of like a big man, like sort of over inflating, um, the role that a big man was playing in the game he was watching, but I don't see why he shouldn't play more. Um, especially with his, you know, savvy and experience, and he's a pretty good uh, instinctive defender, if not a slightly physically limited one. Um, I mean, I think going forward, especially with that Xavier um, example, we're going to probably see a little bit more Matt Helt minutes. I mean, Wojo has been a little remiss to go to Ed Morrow at times um, because he still kind of looks a little bit lost sometimes on defense. And to be quite fair, I mean... The next two guys that we're going to see at Butler are Joey Brunk and Nate Fowler, 6'11", 6'10". I mean, they're going to just require a more stout defender than Ed Morrow is. Ed Morrow gives us a much different look on offense, and I I don't think he's a bad defender. I I think that you might see more Matt Helt minutes than Ed Morrow minutes against Butler. Um, Or at least maybe see Ed more as maybe like a spell for the four instead of the uh, five. Um, but because Jordan Tucker scares the living bejesus out of me. But, yeah. Um, I mean, I guess without jumping too far ahead into Butler, although I th- we should probably just go ahead and do that. Yeah, um, why not? Um, we don't need to talk about DePaul. We didn't lose to DePaul. Didn't lose to DePaul. Run away from that game. Done. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was really nice to see. Yeah, I mean... Uh, it, it was really nice to see how good um, Marquette came back from a lot of that issue. Um, 
in the Xavier game. They they did look defeated yeah. at times, and mm-hmm. the mental resolve to you know keep going with it. I mean, it helps when you go fourteen of twenty five from three. But um, you know, that's uh, anecdotally, yeah. I don't feel like they've erased a double digit second half deficit this season. Uh, uh, I could be I could be wrong about that. Um, no, I feel like they did it against Creighton. Maybe they did it against Creighton. But um, uh, that notwithstanding, they 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 took they took Xavier's best punch, popped back up and won an away game in a tough environment by five. Is it the most glamorous of wins? No. Is it a road win in the Big East after in the Centos Center, which historically Marquette besides the year what when Trayvon and uh, Trayvon blew it and uh, somebody else was hurt. Uh, yeah. yeah, Edmund Sumner. Yep, there you go. So, you know, I think that's, like, the only other time we've really beaten them at home, at their place. So, to, you know, get that road win and tough it out. I mean, and we've been we've been harping on it all season that this team is more mentally tough and more able to do that kind of thing than any Marquette team we've seen in the past couple of years. So, um, it, you know, it's fine. If we're winning, I'm fine not playing pretty basketball. I'd rather do both but uh yeah i mean and that can get us into a bigger discussion i guess before i i head to but i head to the butler discussion um i wanna um just talk about how first of all amazing stuff uh marquette is in the top 10 of the ap poll uh for for the first time since before you were a marquette student um which is crazy um this is my freshman year so that's how i know um crazy uh, pretty, pretty ridiculous. Absolute um, scenes. Absolute scenes, especially since they got the bump over Kansas, who took an L at Kentucky, um, who is a team that was already in the top 10, and Marquette lost to Kansas on a neutral court. Um, not to not to nitpick that, um, I actually think there is a decent argument that Kansas is not a top 10 team without Azubuki anymore. Um, but well, anyway, they aren't. They aren't right now. So. Well, they literally aren't, but I think... The, you could make an argument that they aren't on paper either. Um, here's what I want to say about that, though. Um, I'm really happy that they got there um, because I don't think they're going to get back there um, because I'm not sure they win on Wednesday at Butler, um, and I'm not sure they sweep uh, home Seton John. Seton John's, what am I talking about? Uh, it's your Buffalo, so, it's your Buffalo yeah, wow. Butler that's, mistake, that's, except that's worse. A new one. It's a new one. Seton John's. What the hell? Uh, St. John's um, at home and Villanova at home. I'm not sure they win both of those games either. Um, and so my thought is that once this winning streak ends, they won't get back in the top 10 um, just by virtue of uh, the level of competition in the Big East. Um, if they were to only lose to Villanova um, for the rest of the season, I mean, maybe. Um, and I guess they could, in theory, compile their way back into the top ten. Um, but I'm happy they got there now and can hang their hat on this accomplishment because given the fact that, and this is hilarious to me, that of the 25 teams in the AP poll, Marquette is last among them in Kenpon. Yes. Um, which is hilarious. Um and definitely a factor of the fact that AP poll looks at W or L and uh, Ken Palm looks at 
quality of those W's and L's because obviously Marquette has not been playing well in the wins that they've been achieving. They've been doing just enough to win um, against mostly the back half of the conference. Although it's kind of unclear, like... There is no back half. There's Nova, Marquette, and then kind of everybody. And then then a pit. A pit of sorrow. Um, A pit of sorrow from which one or two tournament teams will emerge after a vicious battle royal to the death. Um, But uh, I just think it's great that they've got this to hang their hat on. um, Because I'm not sure how much better it's going to get than right now. Um, the next three games are the toughest stretch of their season. Um, you know, hopefully everyone stays together health-wise. Um, but then uh, when you get to um, the Big East tournament and the NCAA tournament, um, I worry about um, this team's sort of unfamiliarity with um, how good they are and are being perceived as. Um, and I, I really love this team. Um, it's my favorite, probably my favorite team, um, I've ever been able to support as a Marquette fan. Um, but I, I, I worry, and I think on a, on a bigger scale, I think that, um, 1920 is the year where Marquette puts its stamp on as, as sort of being fully, fully back. Um, especially if everyone comes back. Um, so I worry that I'm happy that they got this top 10 ranking to, to be able to have accomplished that and say, hey, we, got, we, we were a top 10 team at a point during this season. Um, because I think that if you look at the Ken Palm numbers, that suggests that there'll be some regression um, and possibly also suggests that even if they end up getting like a four seed in the NCAA tournament, um, they're getting a lot of three seed projections right now, but again, I think that's part of the fact that they've just compiled so many wins in a row. Um, I worry that um, this might be as good as it gets this season, but that might be okay because next season is really um, the year where they accomplish that, all that they sort of are capable of. Anyway, that might be a little too macro um, for a conversation in late January. Um, but I just think I'm generally happy that they were able to accomplish that um, and that they're able to accomplish it alongside the women's team um, who deserve a ton of uh, accolades as well for what they've been able to accomplish. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a great uh, sort of a peak moment uh, for Marquette basketball, um, the only university in the country with two top ten Division One basketball teams. Um, but, I, you know, looking forward, I'm concerned that this might be uh, the top of the mountain uh, for the men's team, um, but I don't know. You can, you're usually more pessimistic than I am, so maybe maybe you'll agree or disagree. I don't know. What's your What's your thought about that? Um, I think you, I think you hit most of the points I would make. I think that that's probably not a bad way to look at this. I mean, we definitely have a, a tougher back end to the Big East schedule. Um, obviously, the Big East tournament's going to be the Big East tournament, um, and then the NCAA tournament. I mean, yeah, you can argue that. You know, if we get a good seed, we're playing a a 13 or, you know, something like that, who is probably an auto bid. Um, I mean, they were good enough and have the the team cohesion and good enough players to win whatever conference they're in and make the tournament. So um, I'm a little worried that 
this team might flounder early in March. Um, I, I'm not gonna. I, I wouldn't put money on it either way right now. But I, I'm worried that we could see a repeat of you know almost Davidson in 2012-2013. You know what? Um, where we just get you know beat up by somebody who was really good who didn't ever get the the recognition. And we come in with, you know, riding this high of, oh, well, we made the top 10 this year. And, you know, we're a top 20 seed, you know. I, I worry. But, um, you know, so far they've they've shut me up in terms of winning t games where they shouldn't. And they've shut me up about any sort of worry I've had of, like, hey, um, you know, this is a team we're supposed to beat. At the end of the day, they do it. So, you know, may, there's something to be said in that. The nice thing about that Davidson comp is there's a pot of gold at the end of that rainbow. I mean, mm -hmm. they they held on to that game and made the Elite Eight. So, yes. uh, so you never know. Uh, but, yeah, uh, I, I just worry that, um, I mean, I don't know if it could be, with the exception of, how long ago was the Creighton game? No, yeah, I don't know if the last uh, two weeks of games could have been any easier. Um, now, the adversity at Georgetown uh, made that difficult. Um, but as far as scheduling goes, um, at Georgetown and Xavier, um, two teams in the 90s at Ken Palm, and uh, hosting Providence and DePaul in the 80s and 100 teens, respectively, um, you couldn't really have an easier four-game stretch than that. No, um, unless you like moved around the the at Xavier and switched it with at DePaul or something, um, but that's a really easy stretch, and so I worry that okay. Um, I I guess I don't want people to freak out if we lose like two of our next three games, which feels very likely. Yeah, um, I think there's going to be some form of reality check that pops up sooner or later. I know that. Let's just go into Butler because I think yeah. I think we lose on Wednesday. I think Hinkle's haunted for us. Um, yeah, and I think that they're just the type of team that can exploit everything that we don't have. Well, they're they're uh, you know um, their roster is more complete than probably any team in the conference besides uh, Marquette and Villanova. Um, you know they have depth. Um, which is not a thing that a lot of teams in the conference have, at least in terms of quality depth. Um, now, I would say that there's a reason that they are um, three and five in the conference right now. Um, part of it is they can't really win on the road. Um, their only road win of the entire season is at DePaul. Um, but... Uh, they have put up stinkers. Um, they put up a stinker at Creighton uh, on Friday, uh, lost by 14 to a team that I think we've decided is fine um, if you average out the horribleness on one side of the ball and amazingness on the other. Um, I think you could point at Butler and be like, okay, their roster is good um, comparatively. Um, but the results aren't necessarily coming. And then you look at how how well their home court advantage has played this season. And Georgetown beat them at Hinkle. 
um, which, all right, like not great, but like uh, Georgetown can win tough games this year, can sort of throw a fastball at you um, as a team, and they shot like fifty three percent that game, so that's really good. Um, but I don't know. Looking at it, it didn't look like they played amazingly. They've had a really good game from Greg Malinowski, um, which is super random. Um, but, uh, they didn't like blow the doors off of them. Um, they each had 15 turnovers. So it's not like Georgetown just like played a perfect game and won. Uh, they didn't, they played a pretty good game shot the ball well and won by eight, uh, which is not typical of Butler um, to, you know, throw up a clunker like that. Uh, So what I would say is, I was having this conversation earlier today, um, I don't actually think at Butler is that much more difficult than at Xavier. Um, It's just the sort of specter of, Wojo never having won there. That is really hanging over this game. Um, Now, I expected to win at Xavier and don't necessarily expect to win at Butler. So I'm guilty of that sort of confirmation bias as well. Um, But I honestly don't think this is that... This isn't a historically difficult Hinkle game. Because I don't think this Butler team is that great. I think that they have a they have a decent roster on paper, but I think if you look at how they've been playing overall, um, they've really they've really struggled. Um, and again, like Georgetown came there and won. So far lesser teams have Georgetown is a far lesser team than Marquette, and they pulled it off on a hot shooting night um, where the peripherals weren't all that great besides the shooting. So I think this is very much in Marquette's uh, wheelhouse. The problem is they have to not have the kinds of games they've been playing on the road uh, to make it happen. And, you know, when it's happening over and over again and you don't understand how teams are just shooting so well, um, maybe it's just a trend and not not just a random coincidence. So I guess um, I agree with Ken Palm's uh, Butler minus two spread i think that's accurate um i think if i had to pick a winner i would say butler um but i also don't think it's a super daunting task um like a lot of people assume it is just based on the fact that marquette hasn't won at butler in the new conference era sure i mean i think the the things that concern me the most are that um i mean you can't always guarantee hot shooting nights, but um, with how bad we've been at our effective field goal defense um, on the road, yeah, um, I could see Butler trotting out a Kamar Baldwin, Paul Jorgensen, Aaron Thompson, uh, you know, front three, uh, you know, th- play three guards. So Sean McDermott's probably out for that game, which is nice. Um, oh, is he really? Is he injured? Yeah, he has a sprained knee. I oh, wow. he's their best. He's their best shooter. Yeah, but um, that means Jordan Tucker will start, and then Joey Bronk will start. I mean, the oh, yeah, first four, would you yeah, look at the that? first four list, 
yeah, the, the first four listed are, you know, decent shooters. Uh, I mean, I know, and then I, you would assume Kamar is going to get Sakar and or Brendan Bailey and or Jamal Kane draped all over him all game. You know, pick whatever combination of them work that particular yeah. day. Um, but then you have, that leaves Jorgensen and Thompson to be defended then by Marcus and then one of the Housers. Uh, I think that this is a game where uh, obviously Aaron Thompson isn't, you know, an electric scorer like Kamar Baldwin can be. Um, Kamar, Wal- Kamar Baldwin being much better going to the rim or hitting shorter jump shots from being a three-point shooter, which I think matches up with Sakar. But then you have two pretty decent shooters in Jorgensen and Thompson um, matched up against Sam and Marcus in some combination. Tucker's, flex- Tucker's flexibility is the problem. Like, yeah. I mean, that that's a really that's going to be the, the guy that's going to be tricky to stop. Um, Kamar Baldwin, I, to draw a parallel, um, is like in the way that, uh, I think we had this conversation about Xavier uh, last week, in the way that, um, you know, Miles Powell is having a good season and Quentin Gooden is not. Um, Kamar Baldwin is kind of in the middle of that among like the Big East quality point guards on these um, average um, teams in the in the pit of in the pit of misery in the Big East right now, um, the uh, K- Kamar Baldwin is having an okay season. Um, his assist rate is, you know, good good not great. Um, his offensive rating is not great. Um, it's fine. It's just over a hundred. Um, his three point shooting his is relatively horrendous. Um, he's under 30%, uh, after historically he's been a 37 and 33% shooter. He's shooting just a touch under 30 right now. Um, so there are, there are, um, there are, are reasons to believe that, um, Butler might not have, um, the firepower to beat Marquette. Um, but I think Tucker is a really difficult challenge. Um, and just the way, like you said, the way that um, opponents are shooting um, in their home gyms against Marquette this year, um, you know, that makes me think that Butler will, you know, be able to do a lot offensively. Um, you know, I, I, I think Marquette obviously has the weapons to overpower a team like Butler um, in their own gym. Um, but, yeah, I mean – the i wonder i wonder how much um hinkle is a uh is a legitimate uh, mental thing for some of the more experienced guys either on the coaching staff or on the team um because obviously matt help can matt helton's car and him you know have three years of losing there um and they can probably pretty accurately i mean th- there's got to be some sort of mental acknowledgement of that i doubt it probably plays into um the players minds specifically as much as we are cursed by it a because we've been watching it for longer than they've been experiencing it but also because we're analytical people that like to dissect things from afar as opposed to actually being in the moment and we don't totally understand um you know what goes through their uh you know, how to, how they approach it mentally. Um, but I guess, yeah, I mean, 
everything you want to say about how Marquette would line up against Butler, I want to see what Kempom has for Butler in Milwaukee. Um, Kempom has it a five-point win in Milwaukee, um, which I think is fine. So that suggests that Marquette's slightly better than Butler, um, and they are. I mean, Marquette's 33rd and Ken Palm Butler's 47th. Um, so that would suggest that Marquette is, you know, on a neutral court, it would probably be like a two-ish, um, two-three point spread in Marquette's favor. Um, but again, I, I guess every analysis you can bring um, as, a, you know, someone that follows Marquette might just get thrown out the window by the fact that this team struggles defensively on the road and this is like their historical bugaboo um arena yeah i mean i don't know um i think that any other point i can try and make right now i'll just rehash something we've already said yeah um we don't don't want to don't want to overanalyze yeah i don't Um, know i'm just worried that there's going to be some like some some ghost of this really bad uh, defense, uh, defense on the road, on the road pop, up. pop up and i'm just I, jordan tucker scares me i mean he was a former duke player didn't get the minutes there because duke is duke um but he's a super versatile six seven wing um shooting i think right around 40 percent from three that's the challenge yeah athletic so it's how well it's how well can one of so probably sam how well can sam guard down in size and how well, can Joey guard somebody who's going to be just way more athletic than him? I think we saw flashes of it in Najee Marshall, but Tucker's the better shooter, and I think the better pure scorer over Najee Marshall, whereas Najee Marshall's a lot more of a... He's athletic and very good close range, um, and is a defensive, more of a defensive monster than he is an offensive monster. So, um, I don't know. I, I hesitate to call that one a win. I, it's a 5.30 tip um, central time. Um, so, rush home from work. Or if you're like me, I'm probably not probably not going to work that day. Man. Well, it's also going to be like I don't, negative 7. I, don't wanna go, I was going to say, I don't want to go outside that day. Yes. This is actually a good way to end the pod, I think, because this is a nice bookend on the weather uh, discussion. Yeah. Uh, before we go, um, do you want to say anything about just the mess that the Big East is right now? Well, I mean, the, the Big East is eating itself. I, we've been yeah. saying that for a while, but it's truly becoming the case. There are there are two teams that have positive records. So you have Villanova is seven and zero. Marquette is seven and one. That's nice to see. Uh, you have three teams tied for third at three and four, and the rest of the teams. So the other five are yep. three and five it's uh it's, it's not what you want <laughs> so the interesting thing is looking at how ken palm is projecting it if it goes exactly to plan it looks like what ken palm is projecting is creighton and butler to be the two tournament teams uh um, yeah i mean they have emerge to be. from it because creighton would be 10 and 8 and Butler would be nine and nine, and everyone else would be under five hundred. And I don't think under five hundred in the league uh, gets you in, especially if you're St. John's, uh, who did nothing in the non-conference. Yeah. Um, except win against bad teams. Well, St. Um, John's also has a chance to beat Duke this week. That's true. So, uh, they won't. No, uh, I certainly hope alert. they. I certainly um, hope they don't. But yeah, I mean, have you been reading some of the stuff that's been put out into the ether about them? I mean, they are like. They're collapsing uh, right now. Yeah, I mean, Sir Maury Pons is, like, actively saying that they're not playing together to reporters, which 
you know, usually um, you see that kind of thing in the NBA um, a lot when sort of the players are like independent, accomplished professionals. Um, if that get when you have sort of like a media relations uh, operation as a college program, if that's happening, uh, that's uh, that's a really bad sign. Um, that's 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 really bad um, because that. It's usually like you you design the system to not let that kind of thing happen. Um, so yeah, at St. John's, uh, I am extremely worried about um, as a program. Uh, Marquette continues to be their best win. Um, yeah, and that, it's it's not close. No, um, and uh, you know, uh, dropping a home game to Georgetown by double digits. Not what you want to see. No. Uh, I mean, at this point, uh, so I was watching this game yesterday, and I was actively wondering aloud, like, Chris Mullins isn't surviving after this season if they don't make the tournament. And a lot of people were saying the same thing where, you know. My only my only pushback on that is that Chris Mullen is the best St. John's player of all time. So yes. to fire him would require – complete lack of faith and um chaos um so while very much given the um leading indicators uh provided mostly by shamori ponds um talking about how the team isn't playing well together in public um while that the that could get there based on that um i would be hesitant to say that he would get fired after this season. Um, although I definitely have sensed um, from my limited exposure to St. John's Twitter, um, I have definitely sensed that the, um, the, the mood of the fan base is trending in that direction. But um, like we always said with Wojo, um, and this is like an extreme version of Wojo, um, it'd be like if Wojo really couldn't coach, which... Holy crap! The offense—we didn't say this—but all the sets that Doug Gottlieb—you weren't—you weren't watching on television. This is something we picked up more on television. Doug Gottlieb kept like talking about how like nice Marquette's play design was, which felt like I was in the freaking Twilight Zone, man. Yeah. Between between Buzz and Wojo for the last like eight years or whatever, I mean, play design has not been a defining aspect of this program under those two coaches it's more emotional um support and uh good recruiting um so to to have that be sort of a hallmark of marquette is amazing and that quick aside um but yeah i mean mullen is is kind of a guy he's like the he's the extreme of wojo in that he's a um well-liked person by the administration because of how well he is a steward for that program um, to an extreme because he played there and is their best player uh, ever. Um, and uh, But he's also the other extreme in that it doesn't really seem like he can coach that well. No, um, I, he hasn't coached his way out of a paper bag yet. So No, and his, and his program is now showing cracks, um, which is the – the telltale sign of uh, uh oh, this guy might be on the hot seat. Um, but again, I don't, I don't think it's going to get there. I really don't think that they can get there this year unless they really bottom out, like they go six and twelve. 
I, I think that's not outside the realm of possibility. Oh, I, I don't think so either, especially because this team is like one or two players away from being dog crap. Yeah. Um, because because they play essentially a five-man rotation most of the time. They have um, six and a half. I called it six and a half guys at one point, and I think that that's about the case. Well, they have Kata back now, so yeah. they have six, basically. But then, yeah, like, I mean, they're, the loss against Georgetown, um, they played – their five starters, 30 minutes or more. K to 18 and nobody else more than 10. And only two other guys got on the court. So, yeah, I mean, that's, it is, they're, they're, yeah. I mean, you could definitely see um, them bottoming out. I just think with Shamori Pons and Mustafa Haran, it's going to be hard to completely bottom out. But if one of them gets injured or, Shamori Pons decides he doesn't really want to play anymore, which I don't know how out of the realm of possibility that is, given the comments. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you could definitely see potential for chaotic breakdown there. I mean, yeah, um, um, I think that I, St. John's is really the only, only team in the conference I want to talk about, So um, unless you have comments about others. But I think that the, so their next three-game stretch is Wednesday away at Creighton, Saturday away at Duke, next Tuesday away at Marquette. <laughs> oh man, I didn't even notice that. That is you go brutal. You, if you go zero three in those games, it's over. It's uh, it's 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 because yeah, I mean they're not going to beat Nova twice. They're not going to beat no. Um, I think they'll probably lose to Seton Hall at Seton Hall. Um, yeah, oh, they've mean, already played they, that. No, they played that game. My bad. They did they lose have a to resume. Seton Hall. <laughs> yeah, that was that the bs yeah yes um they have a resume uh that needs quality wins um if they were established to the point where they just need to go like 10 and 8 um then they'd be fine um but like they legitimately like that own that stretch where you say like if they don't win any of those games it's over like normally, I would push back against that, being like, "Well, you know, they've just got to sort of even it but out." But they'd be three um, and eight at that point, right? Yeah, and, and well, no, they'd be three and seven because Duke's not a conference game. Oh, um, duh, yeah, wow, yikes! But but they need to like capitalize. They need quality wins. Um, they and Providence, Providence, Xavier, Xavier, DePaul, Seat, uh, Seton Hall at home. Like that's like most of their remaining schedule um, after that stretch. And those aren't going to move the needle enough to get them on the right side of the bubble. No. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't necessarily disagree that if they lose all three of those games, as they're projected to do by at least five points in each instance, um, I yeah, I mean, they're in trouble. And, again, like, the way that they are operating as a team right now, um, as far as... Um, you know, Shamori Pons talking about how they're not playing together. Um, losing three more games in a row probably will not, you know, make that situation better uh, from at least, you know, cohesive and emotional standpoint. Uh, so, yeah, I think I think you're spot on saying that, that they might be in trouble. Um, and, yeah, I don't really need to talk about any other teams uh, in the conference right now. Um, I would say that I kind of, as I really think about it, kind of agree with Ken Palm in that um, Creighton and uh, Butler are probably the two most likely teams to um, 
poke their head above water uh, and get a bid, get bids. Um, I really don't think Mar- I don't really don't think uh, unless uh, Marquette or Villanova start dropping like unless Marquette and Villanova drop like three or four games to teams in that group. Um, I, I really don't think Marquette has three losses that aren't Villanova uh, left in them this season. Um, so, I mean, I, yeah, those, those teams need to beat Villanova and Marquette uh, to, you know, get any better than, like, two of those teams just barely on the right side of the bubble. So unless that happens, and I, I think it'll happen probably to Marquette more than Villanova because Villanova looks really freaking good right now. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't see how the, the league gets to five bids. Um, I don't either. I think, I think this is probably a four-bid league. Um, I'd be yeah. shocked if it was anything more than four. Um, I would be almost better with calling it a three-bid league right now because the two contenders, it looks like, are Butler and Creighton and maybe an outside shot at St. John's. Um, yeah. Seton Hall, I, think I told Seton you this. Hall, yeah, I we think, talked about yeah. this. Seton Hall is going to – Seton Hall has a chance to put it back together. I mean, they've lost five of six, which sucks. Um, but, I mean, sucks for them. I'm not super mad about it. But uh, – but, with just having Powell, I think they have a chance to to put it back together. Um, their problem is um, somebody's going to look at their resume um, in the first week of March and be like, we're really about to put a team in that lost to DePaul twice in the span of two weeks? Yeah. And that they're going to, like, I'm sorry. Like, losing to DePaul twice in two weeks is almost a disqualifying event. Um, the nice thing for Seton Hall is they have – the road win at Maryland and the neutral court over Kentucky. So those two wins, if they get above water in the conference, you can at least say, all right, look, good non-conference, 10 and eight in the big East looks like a tournament team. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if they get to 10 and eight in the big East having lost five of six. Um, and yeah, uh, I don't know if I trust, um, the auxiliary parts of that roster, aka anyone not Miles Powell, um, to drag them over the line. Um, but we'll see. Um, I think that's all we have for now. Uh, sure. You're good, right? Yeah, we're good. Yeah. Um, we uh, will hopefully uh, come to you next week. Uh, hopefully, we have all of our outer extremities uh, still attached to our bodies uh, and did not lose them via frost frostbite at any point uh during the next two days um if you are in the uh middle of this horrific weather uh stay warm stay inside um ask your boss to not make you come to work on a day where it's negative 60 wind chill um and yeah uh hang in there and uh hopefully uh we come to you next week um having done the impossible uh at butler Um, but, uh, if not, uh, stay warm and, uh, we'll talk to you soon.